made this. Thanks, Tessa, for your reading. This morning, do you know what, what motivates God to speak unto us? Well, as the Bible tells God desires to be with us, to be with his creatures. God's passion is to share his life with the people and the world he created. And so God is described over and over again in Scripture to be deeply attentive and concerned over human God's never a dis God's heart and his mind are preoccupied with humankind, with the concrete goings-on of our lives. So nothing that has a bearing upon us for good or for evil is ever small or trite in the eyes of God. And this is actually a remarkable revelation. It's something that, especially for those who, are, who maybe are used to reading the Bible or are used to coming to church, um, we, we get used to it. But to, just to think that the God of the universe is faithful towards us. God is loyal, dependable, focused, compassionate towards us. That's a, that's a huge claim to make. For those who receive God's faithful embrace, God also calls us to faithfulness. He wants us to be faithful to him. And so today what we're going to do is, as we look at our, our series, The Call, we're, we're looking at um, how, uh, what God's call to faithfulness is. What does that mean? We're exploring what it means to be called to being faithful to God. So first I want to say a few words about Malachi, Malachi the prophet. Because um, in this series, we're exploring this Old Testament book, which is actually the last book of, um, of the Old Testament in our Bibles. And Malachi was one of Israel's prophets. Actually, he was the last in a long tradition of Old Testament prophets that spanned for about a thousand years. Malachi steps on the scene in Israel's history about 400 years before Jesus and about a thousand years from our story that we heard that Tessa um, spoke of when Moses, Israel's first prophet, met with God on that mountain to learn more of God's great faithfulness to Israel and to us. Now, at first, it's hard to read the prophets. Um, it, it can feel very heavy. When, when you, if you turned, if you have ever turned your Bible to, um, you know, to one of those Old Testament prophets, you, you do generally find it, it's pretty heavy going. It feels a bit like you've just walked in on an angry argument or, or maybe a bitter courtroom dispute or a quarrel between a parent and a rebellious teenager. And it, and it just, it's, it's a challenge. It doesn't actually seem that inspiring or that comforting to us when we read those, um, those words. And so some of us may think, what's the point? What's the point of these Old Testament prophets? Well, they actually had an essential role in Israel. And I, I just want to make it all clear to you about what a prophet is and why they're important. The prophets were, were people who were especially sensitive to God's heart and to God's purposes. So God gave them the passion and the insight to directly speak God's words into whatever the current situation of Israel was. So the prophet's job was to make known to the people what God was, was thinking, what God was wanting for, from them. 
And so they, they would seek to turn people's hearts and people's ways back to God when they falter. Who here finds it really easy to take criticism? Anyone? Not, not many of us, right? Well, um, I, I guess that's part of the abrasiveness of the prophets as well. Because um, even when the truth is spoken to us in love and we know deep down it's true, it's never easy to accept. And people have this terrible tendency to lose sight of God, to get distracted, to abuse power, to become dulled to the glorious life that God wants to bless us with. And so the prophet's job was to pinpoint for us where we've become permissive, where we've become complacent, where we've let things go. And it was a tough job. The prophets spoke, they spoke many beautiful words of comfort and hope, but because they often had some pretty hard truths to say too, that, and they weren't afraid to say it, their message was not usually popular, and they were often outsiders um, of their day. Um, their God perspective was often seen as out of step with what's going on, what's going on around them. And so the prophets were rarely on friendly terms with the religious and the political elite who govern the day because no one really wanted to be criticised. And yet here they were speaking the very words of God to the people. And so I hope you can sort of see the tensions there. So for us, when we're reading the prophets, one key to open it up for you is to realise that the depth of God's displeasure and anger that you might be reading about, it actually shows us how much God cares. If God was not really that interested in us, he wouldn't even bother. And, and yet when we read these passionate complaints, um, it speaks into us about how much God cares about us and how much God wants us to be in relationship with him. And so if we're devoted to God, then we're going to want to let the prophets speak into our lives because we're going to say, hey, look, you know, I recognize that I can be complacent. I can let things go just like the Israelites did. And so we, we ask God when we turn to the prophets to shake us up and to call us back to faithfulness with God. So does that make sense? Hopefully, because um, now I'm going to read a little bit of, um, of Malachi and hopefully now you've got a bit of a perspective and, and you'll see um, why I've given that extra little intro because, um, you know, Malachi's words are often pretty, pretty direct. So let's read from uh, chapter 2, verses 10 to 17. It should be up on the screen for you. Okay. So the, this is Malachi speaking God's words to Israel. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other? violating the covenant of our ancestors. Judah has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's army. Here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her. 
though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart, do not be unfaithful to your wife. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. You have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? All right. So um, as you can see in the in the passage there, there's some pretty pretty intense unfaithfulness going on. And, um, and today we're looking at God calling us to faithfulness. So we're going to just um, work our way through this scripture a little bit. And um, starting with the first verse, which was, are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? So Malachi, his first message here is to affirm to Israel that Yahweh God loves them and remains faithful to them. The covenant between God and Israel, the one that Tessa read about, um, which, which has been going for about a thousand years, of course, is still intact. God hasn't, hasn't decided, actually, I'm not going to be um, your God anymore. Remember how God described himself to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and upon the children's children for the third and fourth generation. So this kind of full list of describing words is used there and it reminds us that God is faithful um, and he calls also his people to faithfulness to him. Um, And there's serious consequences when that's compromised. So um, God is this faithful God, we've been saying, and in order to walk with us, What he does is he's a God who makes covenants with people. We may not be familiar with the word covenant. So in ancient Israel, a covenant was originally a kind of agreement or a partnership that you would make with another person. And it's like a mutual pledge of loyalty and trust between two or more people. And so you're respecting the dignity and integrity of the other person so that you can work together to achieve what neither of you can achieve alone. Okay, so it's kind of like let's bond together, let's work as one, and so we enter into a covenant. And in the Bible, covenants were not just made with other people, but God makes covenants with us. Now, you might think, well, why would he do that? What does God need us for? Well, there's one thing that even God can't achieve on his own, which is to live within the human heart. He needs us for that. And so God makes a covenant with us in order that we may have a relationship with each other. If covenant is an unfamiliar word to you, you may like to think of it kind of like a marriage. Um, When God covenants with us, it's just like a relationship between a bride and groom or a a wife and a husband. Um, 
listen to what God says in a different prophet, um, prophet's book, Hosea. God says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, love and compassion. I'll betroth you in, and you will know the Lord. So God really speaks about his relationship with Israel very much like a marriage. And in, in Malachi's opening words in our passage, um, he, rather than speaking of bride and groom language, it's God's our father. So it's, it's family language. Are, are we not in this family with God? Isn't God our father? And Malachi, he's calling the people to remember God's faithfulness, reminding them of this wonderful relationship which is at the heart of things. And I suppose for us too, we, we need to be able to ask ourselves, are we alert to God's faithfulness towards us? Do we receive God with praise and thanksgiving um, each day? Or have we come to just take that for granted? So then we move on, and in the passage it says, Judah has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's army. So since God's covenant with them stands strong, Malachi now wants to call the people to account for their violations of their relationship to God. So God's people, they have this history um, of rebelling against God's covenant. If, you, if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, you'll, you'll know this. In, in their bid to get ahead in life, they were often very quick to throw aside this covenant with God and um, they would rather chase success in some other way. And so there's this ongoing cycle in Israel's history of covenant making with God and then covenant breaking. And then after they break covenant, they diminish up to a point of a crisis. And then when they're in crisis, they call out to God, remember us, sorry. And they come into a time where God will save them and they'll, they'll say sorry, they'll recommit. And the cycle just goes round and round and round. And, and we're, we're probably very familiar with that. So before Malachi, the, God's people had strayed so far from God that God had allowed great calamity to fall on them. And they were captured. Their kingdom was destroyed, their cities and God's temple. And they were taken away for 70 years um, of exile. But by the time Malachi's day came around, there'd been a remnant of Israel, so a small group of Jews had, had been allowed to return home. They'd rebuilt Jerusalem's walls, they'd built the temple again, and they'd begun their life with God again. And they'd worked so hard to stay committed to God's covenant. But it hadn't been easy, and things were only a fraction of what's, what they once were. So times were kind of tough and humbling. And Malachi here, he's talking to that remnant and he's saying to them that, he's saying to their men that they're, what they're doing is grieving God's heart because some of the men were throwing away all they have with God in a bid to get ahead quickly. In order to build up some wealth, what they were doing was they were divorcing their wives so that they could have form a new alliance with more established families that were from other nationalities, families that 
that did not follow God and that worshipped idols. And so they're kind of giving up their, their heritage, their faith, in order to get ahead in life. And they were connecting with other people who, who knew nothing of God. And Malachi makes it loud and clear to them that this is a faithless decision. You're not walking with me anymore. You're not trusting in my provision. You're disobedient to my ways and you're dishonoring the covenant of marriage and you're leaving your wives destitute. Now, it's good to remember that those days are very different to ours today and it was very patriarchal. So the man kind of owned, um, owned the flock and if he was a farmer, owned the land. And for a woman to be divorced really meant that she was she had no one to look after her. So, um, so compared to today where there's a lot more of a sense of equality, um, we, we had a very different situation back then. So um, the tragedy of things can be summed up like this. Not only are you covenant breakers, but you're managing to do it without much of a sense of the seriousness or the scandal that it is. And that's what um, Malachi wants to tell. Only the, sense, only the sensitive prophet is alert to what's going on. So he, he continues, here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your loyal part, your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage. So there's this interesting thing that people do is when they when they make when they do something that breaks covenant, often they rather than owning it, they kind of pretend to stay faithful, or they or maybe they're just in denial, um, and so while committing these injustices that really betray a faithlessness towards God, there's this continuing to turn up to all the religious stuff, you know, continue to go to the required um, religious events and um, continue to give, give their, you know, their, their sacrifices and their prayers. And um, it, it, even though their hearts were faithless, they were div- divided towards God. And God wants to say here, you're crying for me to help you. You're bringing your prayers and your sacrifices and you're even bringing your tears, but your unfaithful actions really betray you. Our relationship is currently broken. And, you know, so, so they're, they're crying out, oh, why isn't God helping me? God's trying to say, well, here's why. It's really obvious and you should be able to see it. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. Um, and what does he want? Godly children for your, from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to, to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Malachi's urgent insistence here is that God's people be worthy of their calling. God is he doesn't want to be like a blessing button you know um where you just go up to to him and press the button and he'll give you a blessing and that and hey god loves me and everything's fine he actually calls us to faithfulness and he won't be mocked he won't be used and abused so if you're really faithful it shows in your devoted heart and in your devoted action 
your faithfulness to God shapes you to focus beyond yourself and your own desires. So there's this kind of integrity that God wants from us that allows God's glory to shine through us. And that's, that's when you know that, that there's faithfulness coming from both sides. So faithfulness to God, I reckon it can be summed up in three loves. And these are all loves that are mentioned in those early books of the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Interestingly, Jesus changes the last word, strength. So Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second love is to love your neighbor as yourself. And the third love is to love the stranger because you know what it feels like to be a stranger. In, in the law, back in the Old Testament, that love the stranger because you know what it feels like to be a stranger, that's mentioned 36 times um, in their law. So these, these three loves are key to what it means to be faithful to God. You're going to want to be devoted to God. And then when you, when you look at your neighbor, you're going to show that same love towards your neighbor. And even a stranger that comes along, you're going to, to show them love and acceptance too. When we live devoted to God, God's presence becomes tangible in the love between between a husband and a wife, between parent and a child, between a neighbor and another neighbor, or, or stranger to stranger, or friend to friend. It's in such day-to-day interactions that God becomes present and reveals his ways of truth and love, of justice and mercy, of love and forgiveness. So the, um, the passage for today closes with, with this verse. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight and he is pleased with them. You have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? I think that what um, Malachi is saying here is that people have this tendency to think that what we do doesn't matter. We, we, we're so in awe of God's love and faithfulness to us that we get into this complacent space where we say God loves us anyway um, and and so we what we do really doesn't matter that much and so we just kind of slacken off on our faithfulness to God but then we start to feel a distance between God and us and we say oh maybe God doesn't care about me anyway um, our, maybe God isn't a God of justice because I'm going through this hard time so you walk away from God and then you get upset when he's not there to help you. And this wearies God because God wants more than anything to be in relationship with us. So can you see how that, that would be something very, very wearying to, to when you, you love someone, but they keep walking off, getting in trouble, and then they, they say, oh, where are you? And you, you walked away from me and you keep walking away from me. I think we make this same mistake today. We're, we're all... We're all often so keen to tell people about God's love, but we are not always so good at calling people to faithfulness. And so people get the impression that they can just go on doing what they want to do in their life and still receive God's favor. And I I meet a lot of people um, who, who come through our church who say, after all the bad stuff I've been through, don't tell me that 
And, you know, it might seem harsh, but to me the best thing to ask back to them in that circumstance is to say, well, when have you shown an allegiance to God? And when have you honoured him? Because if you're not honouring God, then maybe that's why all that bad stuff's been going on and why you feel so much distance between God and you. I'm just going to close with a couple of just steps towards faithfulness to God because I, I want you to feel like you've got something to, to hold on to. If you're feeling a bit challenged by, by that, um, that message from Malachi, then, um, then let's, let's have a look at some steps towards faithfulness just briefly. Who remembers the movie Jerry Maguire? I know it's, it's been a while, but I think it was a late 90s. But basically the story is about this guy, Jerry Maguire, who um, he's, he's part of this big sports agency and he decides that he's just going to go alone and try and start his own. So he, he does this big speech at his work and says, who's with me? Let's, let's go. Let's change the world. Let's start our own, our own business. And, and only one person um, puts, puts their hand up to, to, to join him. And it's, um, it, her name's Dorothy and she's a single mum who's... Um, with with all of the, the challenges of being a single mum, and through the story, it's a bit of a romance, and Jerry and Dor- Dorothy become quite close. But then at one point, um, Jerry leaves in order to to make make things work for him um, in in his in his sports agency, and so they they kind of break up. But then he has this moment of clarity when he's when he's away from her. Um, his only his one client is on the phone telling his family how much he loves them and and Jerry just kind of realises how much he loves her. So he, he drops everything and he goes back and it's all very romantic. But, um, but there's this famous line that he says um, when he gets to her, he, he, he finishes his little speech um, by saying, you complete me, okay, you complete me. And, um, and it's one of those moments where you start crying. This is just a movie, what am I doing? <laughs> but anyway... Um, and so I, I just reckon that's the best picture for what it means faithful to God is to have, is to say to God, you complete me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not full without you. Um, and so each morning, that would be a good step towards faithfulness to God is to remember that and to express to God your devotion to Him each day. You complete me. But the, the next thing to say, because I think that's a good first step. But don't let visions of romance and glory eclipse the all-important, unglamorous daily devotion. So if you really are devoted, then sometimes the, the actual steps of faithfulness are, are, are minuscule. They're, they're just like these tiny little, little things that you do that seem almost imperceptible. But each step is far from meaningful. Um, so Jesus says... In Luke chapter 10, uh, sorry, chapter 16, verse 10, he says, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with, excuse me, with greater responsibilities. And so, so there's, there's, there's that wonderful kind of, yeah, you complete me. It's wonderful. But then there's the everyday bits and pieces. Is this even doing anything? But, but all those little steps that you take, like say, you know, I could harbour a resentment against this friend or this colleague, but instead I'm going to choose. Um, it's just a little step, but it's a step of 
I'm going to love my neighbour. I'm going to treat that person with... Um, maybe when we say sorry, uh, we choose to say sorry and our, our hearts are in our throats and, and our eyes are bring, brimming with regret. But when we choose to say sorry rather than just, um, you know, just walking away, we've, we've made a small step of faithfulness. Um, when we reach out to, to a person that we think is nothing like us, uh, we, we take a small step of faithfulness. These are the little things that open the door to new beginnings for us. Um, those first stirrings of God's spirit begin to shift in us when we take those little steps. Uh, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory and we can then rejoice uh, even in troubled times. So Romans chapter 5, um, it actually speaks of in your, in your faithfulness walk with God, you're going to come across some problems, some challenges. And when you do, uh, Paul actually says you can actually rejoice even though you're in a trial, you're in a struggle. And this is what he says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know that God dearly loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So, so there's this, there's even in our times of trial, in our times of suffering, even there we can be grateful to God because we're not in those things alone. And so we can take further steps, learn patience and endurance, build our character, and all along the way we're saying, thanks God, even though this is hard. So just in summary, don't think that you can just do what you like so long as you, um, you know, so long as you just attend church and that that's all it takes because that's not really a surrendered heart or a devoted heart towards God. That's just what we can find ourselves doing is getting into a complacent space where we're just going through the motions and actually that's a space that's a bit dull, fairly tragic to me because you're so close to God and yet you're not there and it also wearies God. Because God continues faithfully to stand at the door to your heart and to knock, hoping that you would open that door so that he may come in and share with you. If that's been you, if you feel like that's been your space lately, that sort of complacent space, don't be overwhelmed. Just ask God to enter into those broken places, those divided places in your heart that are stopping you from being devoted to God. When we really learn to walk with him, to walk in covenant with him, we, we find that there's no fanfare required. We don't, we don't need lots of credit given to us by others. We just do it because we love God and we, we do it because that brings us pleasure and, and joy. We're going to have our time of, of response now. Um, so you, this is the time where you can get your response cards and your pencil and I just encourage you to think a little bit about what are, what are some of the things that, that you feel God has been saying to you through this time. I've got a few questions up on the board which can help. And here they are. How do Malachi's prophetic words challenge your heart this morning? So perhaps you want to answer that question. Another one is, what is preventing you from giving your whole heart to God this morning? And the third one is, what will you do this week as a further step towards God's call to faithfulness in your life? So we're just going to have a little bit of music and... Um
I encourage you just to spend this time your response card. And just a reminder that we're going to have our last song. And when the bowl comes round, um, we'd love for you to, if you're willing, to put that response card in the bowl. And then um, that means that we can... All right, thank you.